Hello, sports fans. This is our fifth episode of Beyond the Game. I'm your host, Erica Ayala. Very excited to bring to you an important show. We're going to have an NWHL player on the show talking about mental health awareness. Anya Badalino, the Anya Badalino, is joining us on the show tonight. But before we get to her interview, let's go around the leagues. We're going to start with the WNBA. The Liberty on a five-game homestand pick up four straight to improve to 6-3 and three on the season, and they now sit in third place in the WNBA standings. Of course, Tina Charles was a huge part of that, and for her performance, she receives another Player of the Week honor. She now holds a league record of 23, yes, 23 Player of the Week honors on her career, surpassing Tamika Catchings for that. The Liberty hit the road against the Connecticut Sun tomorrow, June 14th. We'll have more on WGSports.com. Heading over to baseball, the Yankees defeat the Angels 5-3 to improve to 38 and 23 on the seasons on the season. Excuse me. They will continue their series with the Angels. The first pitch set for 10:07 p.m. Eastern Time. And if you want to learn a little bit more about the rookie the baby bomber as he is known Aaron Judge make sure you check out Spencer Lee's latest on Double G Sports as he tells you exactly why Judge is indeed all-star material as far as my Mets yes my Mets they defeat the Cubbies six to one behind the Degrominator yes I think we can call him the Degrominator he uh, had nine innings that he pitched in order to get the win for the Mets for more on the Mets Make sure you're following and reading Daniel Yanofsky, friend of the podcast. You may recall he talked uh, with us on the show about Jackie Robinson. His latest for Double G Sports is on the 20th draft pick, David Peterson from Oregon. He has been drafted by the Mets, uh, was originally drafted by Boston, but decided to go to college, went to Oregon, and you can read more about it on WGSports.com. Moving on, the National Women's Soccer League saw a lot of its players head to their national teams, including three from Sky Blue FC, Kaylin Sheridan, Raquel Rodriguez, and Kelly O'Hara were all with their national teams. First, we'll start with Kelly O'Hara in the United States. They played two games. First, got a 1-0 win over Sweden, who, of course, very famously knocked them out of the 2016 Olympics. So they got a little a little bit of uh, revenge there. Rose Lavelle gets the goal in that game. Then they go on to defeat Norway 1-0. That's Kristen Press with the game-winning goal. Canada, Kayleen Sheridan and Canada played Raquel Rodriguez in Costa Rica in two games. First, 3-1 was the scoreline in favor of the Canadians, the reigning bronze medalist on Thursday. And then a 6-0 route. Janine Becky with the hat trick in that second game to propel Canada to the win. Now, Sheridan Rodriguez on O'Hara will return to Sky Blue FC and the NWSL to head out to Oregon and try to get a little revenge against the Portland Thorns. They want to avenge that 2-0 loss at home against Portland last week. Moving on to the NBA, the Golden State Warriors defeat the Cleveland Cavaliers 129-120 to win the 2017 NBA title. 
Kevin Durant is named Finals MVP. Despite the loss, LeBron James averaged a triple-double for the Finals. That's 33.6 points, 12 rebounds, and 10 assists. He is the first player in NBA history to average a triple-double in the finals. Finally, we are going to end this part of Around the Leagues with the NWHL. Say it ain't so, Janine Weber signs with the Boston Pride. After two great seasons here with the Riveters, Weber is taking her talents to the Pride. Joining her in Boston will be Kalia Johnson. She was with the Connecticut Whale last season and will be joining the Boston Pride for the upcoming season. Additionally, Brianna Lang, excuse me, becomes the first goalie to sign with the Boston Pride. She is one of the younger sisters of Denna Lang, who, of course, played for the Boston Pride as well as the Boston Blades, uh, had the unfortunate spinal injury during the Women's Outdoor Classic. So excited to see more moves as they come in for the NWHL, including, including, of course, the announcement that our guest for tonight, Anya Badalino, will be joining the pod again she has signed her contract to join the Connecticut Whale as a rostered player for the 2017-18 season and will continue her role as director of the NWHL Players Association. In addition to that Anya has been a a great advocate for the league and for other causes including mental health. Last season she opened up about her personal struggles with mental health via uh, social media. Tonight she chats with us about the stigma attached to mental health and what she plans to do about it. We also get her thoughts about uh, you know fish on ice those kinds of fan traditions and the Stanley Cup finals. Uh, So once we wrap with Anya we will go to this 2017 Stanley Cup finals recap but for right now it's Anya Badalino joining me on Beyond the Game. Thanks so much for having me. I'm excited. Thank you. I'm smiling so wide right now. I know you can't tell. Absolutely. It's it's such a uh, personal thing for me. I, I know both myself and m- almost everyone that, you know, you talk to kind of go through something where they're like, wait, this isn't exactly right. I'm not feeling exactly myself. Um, for me, the struggle became really apparent when I was in high school and I had a really rough time with it. And I ended up, um, you know, going through the, the process of trying to figure out what my support systems looked like. Uh, and, and through that, you know, I struggled and I fell. I fell pretty short. And it was hard, and it was, at the time, really frowned upon things to say that you're struggling with. Um, You know, so I was a freshman in high school, and I was hospitalized for it. And I found myself thinking about it day in and day out as I started becoming more and more uh, active in the community, whether that was through professional hockey or whether that was even playing Div 1. Um, or even coaching, you know, coaching young kids, and that's something I've done my whole life. Um, you know, it's telling my story and being comfortable to talk about it 
because that's when you finally let it stop having power over you. Um, and, and so I think that that's important. I think people need to know that it's okay to not be okay and to know that, you know, my mom and I went through this process and my brother went through the process and my dad went through it with me and my whole family, you know, got really tight and got really close together. And now being a professional athlete and having the capability to say to somebody, hey, it's okay that you're feeling like this. I went through it and look at where I got um, look at what my life looks like. And, you know, it's not always easy. I'll admit it still, there's times where I call my mom and I'm bawling my eyes out and, you know, I, I'm feeling really off and I'm feeling like not myself. Um, you know, and, and I think that's okay. I, I think it's perfectly, perfectly fine to admit, Hey, I need help. Can you lean it, lean in a little closer right now? And, and I, I think that's why my story is something that I want to share and I want to advocate for, because there was a time in my life where I really didn't feel comfortable talking about it because it wasn't the normal it wasn't okay it wasn't something that hey if i if i ask for a little bit of help i'm going to feel supported it's wait why oh my gosh i can't believe that or you know you're being exaggeratory or or something to that effect uh so I, i want people to feel as normal about talking about their mental health as they do talking about what they ate for dinner I'll admit it wasn't easy, Um, you know, and like you say, it's like learning to walk. I could play a whole game and feel completely in my element and feel completely. And the second I stepped off the ice, I was back down to the lowest of my lows. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how I was feeling. So for me, I used sports as an escape. And, you know, you're right. It was that I have to have this tough exterior. I was, um, you know, looked at like I was week it was definitely a moment where I had to admit to my teammates and to my coaches and to my trainers um you know I need to take some time away from this and it was the hardest thing because I thought hockey was the only thing keeping me sane and the only thing that I really felt like I was doing well uh you know so like you're saying it's it's relearning all these things and it's relearning how to accept that I might just need to take a step away maybe this is going to give me some anxiety or maybe I'm Maybe I'm not putting my feet in front of one another the right way today. And, you know, you have to take those mental checks and those mental breaks. So, you know, I think you're, I think you're spot on to say that we'll teach a kid how to take a slap shot all day long. 
and we won't teach them how to deal with the anxiety that comes with losing the game. Mm. Uh, I think it's a huge miss. I think it's something that we could do better, and that's something that I want to pioneer for and advocate for. Uh, on the on the long list of things that I think I'm, I'm trying to push forward, but really working with my mom, I think she was one of the biggest ones. That when I wasn't feeling right, she'd be like, hey, here's a bag, like, just breathe into it, and, like, we'll talk it out. Like, just breathe it out, you know? And, and she was one of the ones that... I would get hurt or hit or something on the ice and I didn't have my mental health in check. I thought it was the end of the world. I would be bawling my eyes out on the bench. My mom would come over and be like, hey, kid, like, are you okay? Mm. Like, what's going on? Like, you know, is this anxiety or are you hurt? You know, which one is it? And so often we don't give the kids that capability to say, you know what, wait, this is a mental thing. Let me just take a shift off or let me just take a deep breath or let me, you know, check myself in my head and make sure that every limb is still on and I'm not bawling my eyes out for no reason. Right. Um, and say nope it's my brain give me a minute like I need to I need to settle in so um you know as an athlete it was a moment of a weakness and then I learned that it actually was a moment of extreme strength so that was a really hard lesson and, and I definitely had a lot of support around me when I when I finally taught myself that lesson um but knowing headspace was and what I was doing and making sure I was all checked in and then getting on the ice was so much it was so much more of an experience than everything felt off and I got on the ice and I could kind of find myself um you know that the first game that I finally played that I was all put back together or starting to like you said it's always going to be a process we're always getting there um you know I always find myself being like "Ooh, I could do this better or I could tweak this or you know maybe I should take a deep breath here um but it, it definitely was one of those things that once it all came together I started playing the sport and I found out you know it wasn't really an escape hockey was a place for me to flourish and I loved it it wasn't a place for me to get away from my life it was a place for me to start my life and build my life It was a reintroduction to school was the hardest part. Um, and when you're in high school, everything revolves around school. You could be the best athlete ever. And if your school life feels off or, you know, you feel like people are picking on you or laughing at you, um, then everything's off. It doesn't matter. And it was, you know, my first week back to school and my whole team, my whole entire team, we didn't even have the same lunch block, but everyone came and sat with me at lunch. And I felt like a really, a really strong family feel there I, I had that unity I had the the group of people that were going to help me push forward when it was a really weird time you know like I said 10 years ago when I was going through this having mental health issues and being hospitalized and being taken out of school and being on medicine all of that stuff made you a leper made you this outcast made you quote unquote crazy and it was really hard to to come back into that high school atmosphere because kids are rough and my whole team came and sat there and they got me this funny card and I'll remember it until, you know, forever. I actually still have it. And it's like, your whatchamacallit is, you know, broken, but 
what's it? And it was all these like funny different words. And it just made me feel like I can laugh at myself, you know? Yeah. I'm not feeling my best self. I'm not really settled into myself, but this is a group of people that can help me find the levity in that situation. And I think that if I, if I could figure out what my footing started as it was having a strong system at home, but having a team, having a group of people that would laugh at you, laugh with you, you know, pick you up when you felt down. I, I think that's the biggest reason, you know, coming into the sport and finding myself, you know, in these different roles where it's, whether it's practice player or uh, players association, I, I love to surround myself with a team. And I think that a lot of that comes from the, the need for that feeling for my mental health. Yeah. Um, so that was probably what did it for me. So I think the easiest part for me is I'm a big note taker, um, whether that's a random note like, hey, I'm thinking about this thing right now, or I need to do X, Y, and Z today, or you know, whatever it may be. I, I do really well with having a visual and being able to check things off my list and making sure my list isn't too long, and making sure the things I'm writing down make sense to me. Um, you know, It starts with things like that, little tools and tricks that you learn along the way. But you know, one of the biggest things is I have a network. I have a group of people and it's just as simple as, hey, tell me something funny or like, hey, lean in right now. And you know, I, I've created these relationships in my life where I can just reach out for help. Um, and it's not always that easy. You know, I'm blessed with the people that surround me. So you know, trying to find those little tricks, whether it's taking a deep breath, going out for a walk in the summertime, I always try to like leave the office for a little bit and walk around. Even school, I would leave the classroom and go to the bathroom and just put some water on my wrists when I wasn't feeling right. Um, you know, it's something to just ground you, check you in, take a deep breath, call a friend, put some water on your face, anything like that. When you're really not feeling like, you know, yourself or things are making sense, I, I always try to urge people to talk about it, whether it's a guidance counselor or for me, it was a math teacher. Um, you know, I was able to walk up and just say, hey, I, I feel really off right now. Can I just sit in this room? And he was like, yeah, dude, that's fine. Like, whatever you need. And it comes from feeling that level of confidence to talk about it. And that's not usually there for a lot of people that are struggling with it because, A, they feel alone. Um, they feel like no one understands. And sometimes they don't. But I think for me it's about keeping my list in order, keeping my, like, thoughts in, in place. But um, having those checkpoints and being able to ground yourself, it's all so important and you know, people let it fall by the wayside because they think I have so much to do today. The last thing I need to do is focus on my mental health. But that's mm. actually the first thing you need to do. Right. Um, <laughs> so that's probably those are probably my tips.
it's funny because the first time I sent a tweet out, I was like shaking and crying and I, I couldn't figure out what, <laughs> what I was thinking. Like, why did I do that? Why did I make that choice? Um, why did I pull myself so bare? And then I remembered, you know, the 15 year old version of me that would have read that or gone through that and looked at that and felt really empowered by that. And then like, maybe I'm going to make some different choices. Cause somebody that I look up to is being super vulnerable. Um, you know, so I think it could have, it could have helped me. And I think that's why when I started being honest, when I started being open, it was because I hoped that even if one kid read it and was having an off day and was feeling, you know, like they, like they didn't understand why they were there or why they didn't understand what was going on at school or something to that effect, they could read that and say, Hey, you know what? Direct message me, send me something, talk to me. Like I'm, I got so many messages out from the first tweet that I put out that I was going through mental health struggles. Uh, that was just like, Hey, you know, I know you won't respond, but this, or I, I know you won't respond. And I took time to respond to every single one and say, you know, you're not alone. Do you ever need me? Send me a message. I'm right here. So it was a really weird time and it was really hard for me to do it. But I thought to myself, you know, 15 year old me could have heard that from somebody that they looked up to you know, would I have been in the hospital? I don't know. I don't know if I would have asked for help. I don't know what I would have done, but I would hope that I would hope that I would have felt some kind of solace in that. Yeah. And you've also utilized, you know, your ability to reach out to people um, to help raise money for certain organizations again through through Twitter and social media. So just talk a little bit about that and and um, why you took that next step. You know, you sent the first tweet and really overcame, it sounds like some anxiety and, and fear on your own part, vulnerability definitely. Um, but then you also, you, you continue to do that and continue to raise awareness. Right. I think, like I said in the very beginning, talking about your demons helps you, you know, let them have less and less power over you you know the more I keep things so close to the chest that I feel like I'm constricted uh, the less I feel like I can breathe and for me it was continuing to tell that story and, and almost using it as a cathartic process where I felt so much better when I felt like people were connecting with me and understood me a little bit better uh, but also you know when I can raise money and when I can start even donating my own money which is which is something that I'm passionate about I'm passionate about helping people um, the DIFD group um, is very close to the hearts of any hockey player or, mm -hmm. or even female hockey player. We all grew up in a very small world. And when something like that happens, when someone takes their life because they aren't feeling exactly right or they don't understand what they're going through or they feel alone, you know, you have to think about what could you have done? What can you do for yourself? And that's the biggest thing. What can you do for yourself? How can you change? How can you, um, like I said, take those mental checkpoints? What What is it that we can do? And so for me, it was raising awareness for a charity that does a great job, that, that has entrenched itself wholly in women's hockey, um, and that I think does such a great service to female athletes. And, you know, you said a lot of athletes are being more vulnerable. Because I think a lot of athletes have gone through these struggles where someone told them they weren't good enough at one point, or... You know they're fighting to be their physical fit and sometimes the mental health falls on the wayside there so i think the more and more we get ourselves into these competitive nature situations and we're you know propelling ourselves forward in sports that's when the mental health falls apart and you know without having that strong basis 
it's hard to always keep on tap with it. And I think that DIFD does a great job at letting kids know that it's okay. And you don't have to turn that way. You have all these different resources. You have all these different athletes that believe in this cause and that are open and active for it. So, you know, if it could be raising awareness or donating money or time, I'm obviously always going to do that. I think it's a huge, huge, huge miss um, that we don't, like I said, coach kids on their mental health as well. Yeah, and you mentioned DIFD, and just for those who are not familiar, can you give us a, a quick overview of what DIFD is and how the NWHL for the last two seasons has gotten involved? Yep, so DIFD is a Do It For Darren. It's a charitable group that was founded out of uh, a player that played at Cornell that took her life. Um, and it was really hard. Like I said, it, it shook the hockey community because it felt like it was so far away from us, and then it was on our front door. Um so, you know, for us, it was how do we close the gap and tie the loop there and make sure that there's no confusion and the conversation is open and there's a free flowing sense of either people are here to talk or people are here to listen or people are going to support you no matter what that might be. Um, so that's what that organization does. And I think it's, it's beautiful. And for the NWHL, we had some pioneers internally that either went to school with Darren or, or know her personally or know her family. Um, that really brought it to the forefront, which this year was unbelievable. We had games raising money. We uh, posted photos standing in a heart, which is their trademark, um, and blasted that around social media just to let kids know that they're not alone. And that was one of the vehicles that I used to tell my story was to just say, hey, this is my story. This is how I resonate with this. Um, You know, take it for what you want. Share it, tell it, experience it. Um, because the more we talk about it, the more we normalize mental health, I think it's going to make the world a better place. And like I said, I'm trying to change the world, and I don't know who's with me or against me, but I'm going to do it in so many different ways. And normalizing mental health and letting kids talk about their feelings and not feeling like it's a burden or it's hard or um, it's weird or it's weak, you know, it's part of sports, it's part of life. So that's color as well as me just rambling about the (laughs) IFD. (laughs) <laughs> no, that was great, as always. Um, and as we start to wrap up, I just, Anya, want you to just talk a little bit more about how, for you, hockey or just sports in general um, has allowed you to really transcend um, who you are as an athlete and and how it's become a vehicle for your own health and wellness and, and also for being able to reach out to other people and, and communities um, such as we just talked about, you know, DIFD and a lot of the other things that you've done, Salvation Army, stuff like that. Absolutely. So for me, sports has been an unbelievable ride. It's been the capability to, I think, first and foremost, is make connections, uh, have a team, have a group of people that I feel like support me. Um and that's why throughout college, throughout my professional life, it's given me this level of gravitas, whether I'm talking in a room full of people um, or I'm just, you know, hanging out with my teammates or I'm in the office and I'm giving a presentation. I feel like it's given me so much confidence back. And a lot of times as women, we take confidence away from ourselves. I think that's the biggest thing that biggest thing that women face that I don't think men face nearly as much um, is just we, we constantly, constantly pick ourselves apart and we're never, ever good enough. And I think that sports helped me realize that, you know, maybe I'm not going to be the best player on the team, but I have a team full of people. And regardless if I'm playing the game or not, or I'm in the stands or what have you, you know, my teammates love me and they support me. And I think that's unbelievable. And I think that's something that hockey and 
any team sport or any individual sport that has a group of camaraderie around it. Um, I think that's something that I got there and using that social platform to connect to different groups that maybe don't get the right amount of respect or things that we just kind of, like I said, are so busy that we forget about. We're so busy nowadays. You know, we don't remember to take care of our mental health or, you know, we have 17 jackets in the closet and we only wear two and we don't remember to take them out and give them the kids that don't have coats. You know, it's things that we're not selfish. We're not doing it on purpose. We're not, we're just caught up. We just don't have enough time in the day to be, you know, people anymore. Um, and so I think a lot of my good habits honestly come from my mom and dad, but they would always say like spring cleaning. If you take out, you know, a trash bag of clothes, you can go buy a new shirt or something. And, you know, I never really understood the logic on the math there. Like, okay, how many shirts is this worth? Like, can I get a nice shirt here or what it may be? But, you know, it constantly kept me aware. And, you know, my hometown is, is really big on donating things back. And it's, whether it's time or it's money or it's, you know, resources that somebody else doesn't have. I think that I've been blessed in my life, you know, even making $1 playing hockey to me has been so fortunate and so unbelievably, you know, inspiring to me that, it's hard to it's hard to not use that platform to better everyone else you know because if i can get six sticks for free how is it that a kid can't get one you know i'm like okay we got to do something here we got to lean in we got to help um so i I think that's kind of where i'm coming from and what hockey has done for me it's definitely taught me to be gracious definitely taught me to be empowered and confident um and and vocal when it's hard it's hard to professionally push back on all these things that I think are wrong or all these things that I think are right and you know I want people to do or I want people to experience or I want people to know that I care about um you know is it hard to think that I'm always asking people to reach into their wallets or um you know be generous or believe in the things that I believe in yeah I, I think I definitely come across as somebody that um advocates for the lesser but if that's my worst quality, then you know what, I'll keep it. So, um, hockey's definitely made me a, a pretty unique person. I think it's also made me a little crazy, um, because <laughs> not you. I'm like constantly yelling at people that I'm going to change the world and that we're changing the world right now. And that this women's hockey league is changing the world. But it's funny cause I, I really truly believe that. And I think that the more that we advocate for women in power, the more that we advocate for mental health and the more that we advocate for all of these different things that I think that the sport of women's hockey does so well it's it's like a a sport with a cause because it has to be because women are women feel they they want to help they want to they always want to do more they always want to reach outside themselves and they're compassionate and not that all men aren't but you know the amount of compassion in male sports and the amount of compassion in women's sports are, are so different um you know so i think that it i think that i use my platform to be compassionate i think that's probably what i got I I think that's great. And I mean, I am always drawn to the things that you are doing, always learning from, uh, from following you. She's a good follow everyone on Twitter. So make sure you handle (laughs) that. Um, but Anya Badalino, director of the NWHL Players Association, third year returning with the Connecticut Whale. So happy to have you on the show. And I'm just putting it out there. I, for one, would never bet against you (laughs) in anything. Thank you. Thank you, and thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. Before I let you go, uh, you know, we've got some hockey that's coming on tonight. So first, before we get into predictions, 
what are your what are your feelings on on catfish or really any kind of enthusiastic <laughs> uh, fan fan appreciation for a home goal? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Because I see some people are not they're not really getting down with the catfish. So they have never played UNH <laughs> as a freshman. First shift, I get put out there. Someone's like bagging back. Okay, I step on the ice for I, I kid you not, maybe point one seconds, and they score. And UNH's big thing is they throw this nasty fish out on the ice when they score their first goal. And obviously I'm a freshman. I'm like shaking in my skates because I'm getting my first shift. And this stupid fish comes flying onto the ice and slides across. And it's like the second period. So the fish is half defrosted. And it almost hit me. And I was like, I almost threw up. So they don't know what it feels like to play against UNH and get your first minus one. So... I appreciate it because I so badly wanted to huck a fish at Sam Faber every single game this year. I was like, Sammy, you have no idea because she went to UNH. So um, I think it's fun. I love fans. Fans are my favorite part of the game. I think that's very clear. I make that super obvious on Twitter, um, on all my social media, because fans are the lifeblood of sports. And if someone doesn't want a catfish thrown at them, then play better defense, right? <laughs> touche, touche. All right, so game five, are you going to be watching? Do you have any predictions? Where's the Stanley Cup finals going? I will be watching. I am a humongous fan of the upset, so I'm going Preds all day. And at the end of it, I can live without the Penguins getting another cup. So. Ooh. Go Preds. All right. You heard it here, folks. All right. Anya, thank you again so much for being on the podcast. We look forward to uh, what season three brings for you, the Connecticut Whale, and the rest of the league. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, guys. Have a great night. All right. Thanks. Bye. Thank you again, Anya, for taking some time to end the stigma associated with mental health by chatting us with us Excuse me, here on Beyond the Game. We have more information about Do It For Darren, D-I-F-D, uh, that will be in the show notes. That's the organization that Anya mentioned in our interview. Other athletes such as WNBA star Imani Boyette have also advocated for mental health during Mental Health Awareness Month last month in May. So check out an excellent article by Tariqa Foster Brasby for The Undefeated. In the article, Brasby, Foster Brasby, excuse me, uh, shares Imani Boyette's story about where some of her initial triggers came from and how she was able to overcome that and be an advocate. And additionally, Tarika shares some data points that are particular to the African-American and black community, such as African-Americans are 20% more likely to experience serious mental health problems than the general population. Make sure you read that article by Tarika as she tells Amani Boyette's story. The link will also be in the show notes. Finally, on mental health, as Anya said tonight, make sure you're checking in with yourself and that you're checking in with people that you love and that you trust. I would personally add, don't wait until things get bad. You have every right to be happy. So do not be timid or shy when it comes to taking care of yourself and your own personal health and wellness. Um, Finally, as I mentioned, uh, we are going to do our Stanley Cup Finals recap. Unfortunately, Anya was not quite on the mark when it came to her predictions it is indeed the pittsburgh penguins that get their 
uh, that get the win, excuse me, in the Stanley Cup Finals. That is for their fifth um, Stanley Cup Final. That's their fifth, fifth Stanley Cup Final victory in franchise history. And that is their second consecutive. So they do go back to back. Um, unfortunately, Anya wanting to root for the underdog, not quite this year, but we still did see some catfish on the ice in that last game where the Penguins defeated the uh, Nashville Predators 2 to nothing. Uh, also, just want to circle back to the WNBA and the NBA Finals. Um, LeBron James, again, made history as far as getting his triple-double, but didn't quite get it done for the Cavaliers, as is his custom he is going to take some time away from the game and will not be actively playing basketball but what he will be doing is showing up to watch them work that's right uh the king himself lebron james gave the wnba a shout out um and also when you're thinking about what makes the golden state warriors such a good team julie foudy was among a lot of other people to just really um, appreciate the selflessness and the passing, the the tactile uh, skill that the Warriors bring to the game. That is what you see in the WNBA, folks. It is a team-oriented game. Lots of passing, lots of picking. Heard a lot of that being the analysis after the NBA Finals, so no need to wait for the next NBA season. You can watch the WNBA a lot of the Liberty games being picked up by MSG Network. So follow WG Sports. We'll have all of that information on the New York Liberty and the Connecticut Sun, who are right here in our local area. For our next show, episode six of Beyond the Game, we are going to celebrate the 45th anniversary of Title IX. Interviews will include... Uh, speaking of the WNBA and women's basketball, we're going to talk to Swin Cash about the impact of Title IX on her personal career and, and how Title IX is impacting women of color in particular today. Also, we're going to hear from one of the latest Women's Basketball Hall of Fame inductees, Christine Grant. She was the first athletic director a female athletic director, excuse me, for the University of Iowa. And she has amazing things to say about Title IX and where the legislation needs to go from here. She's got a lot of great thoughts, very fired up about Title IX and the improvements for women in sport that that legislation brings. So we're going to have interviews from them as well as a little bit more. Harvard had an amazing um excuse me, an amazing event that was hosted by the Radcliffe Institute. So we have a little bit from that panel discussion. Until then, make sure you are giving Double G Sports a follow on social media at Double G Sports, that's Twitter and Instagram, and online at GSports.com. Remember, next week, we will have our episode on Title IX. That is our sixth episode. Until then, sports fans, this is your host, Erica Ayala, wishing you peace and love.